This Ziggler show is brought to you in part by Mile IQ. If you drive for work or get reimbursed for driving, Mile IQ is the number one mileage tracker app. More than a million Americans trust Mile IQ to automatically log their drives every day. I have it on my own iPhone 6. I installed it once, forgot about it. It tracks my driving, automatically reports to me at the end of the week. Totally brilliant. Text Ziggler, Z-I-G-L-A-R, to this number, 31996, to start your 40-drive free trial. You can create an account this week, and you'll get 20% off an annual plan. It's built around the concept that you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Well, remember, you were born to win. But in order to be the winner you were born to be, you got to plan to win, you got to prepare to win, and then and only then can you legitimately expect to win. You see, with integrity, you do the right thing. When you do the right thing, there's no guilt. With integrity, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. See, folks, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yesterday really did end last night. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Friends, welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and it is my unique privilege to bring today's profound message to you. The Ziggler Show is founded on what Zig Ziggler, the world's most prolific motivator, devoted his life to, inspiring your true performance. You can have the best tools, uh, resources, and even opportunity, but unless you are truly inspired, you'll be hopeful but remain where you are. What is the definition of inspired? Listen to this. To influence or animate with an idea or purpose. Did you hear that? Animate with a purpose. If you want to take action, you have to know and be motivated by true purpose. That's deep, folks, and it is why you are here. Let's dig in and change your world so you can change this world. We need all you've got to offer desperately. Today, we bring you a show on home life and a special guest. Parenting and family is the primary topic, but while we want to be altruistic and love others well, we're also all very selfish, or at least I am. I mean, I want my home life to be peaceful, harmonious, joyful, and rewarding. And when it's not, I mean, there's a cloud over the rest of my life. I go to work less than inspired and have less to look forward to after work. So we're going to talk about success at work, somewhat versus success at home, uh, obviously having both, but I'll lead off too by posing the question. I mean, can you be as successful as possible at work if you are not at home? I mean, though you see the depiction of the corporate rock star whose home life and relationships are, are a wreck, stats don't showcase that being the norm. So Thomas Stanley, in the book that he wrote, The Millionaire Next Door, cites that nearly 95% of millionaire households are composed of married couples who stay married to the same person. And then you, of course, you know, at the end of life, have such a high percentage of people who devoted to career and work that didn't invest enough in family and relationships, and the regret is often dramatic. I mean, just overwhelming. Uh, so today, we're going to hit this uh, head on with a concept brought to us by a guy who has done some amazing things on this home front, family front. Uh, before I introduce him and his concept to you, I want to give you an opportunity to take some massive action in your life, or at least 
dip your toe in about the idea of taking some massive action in your life for your business and personal success at a Ziegler event. Folks, the reason Zig Ziegler became the icon he is and why we're here today doing the Ziegler show even is because he gave just such great focus to family uh, life and business as well. He was dedicated to success in both fronts. And uh, in essence, saying you have to have one to have the other. He made that his platform, stood on it, lived it out himself. I mean, the Ziegler family business and legacy is growing like wildfire today, two and a half years after he's left this earth because of this very fact. So there's no other event you can attend on the planet that's going to equally build you, equip you, and adequately address the fullness of your life and overall success than a Ziegler event. I mean, is there anyone who wants a rich bank account, but not rich relationships? And is there anyone desiring rich relationships who does not also desire a rich bank account, business success, career success, and family success, relational success, what we're talking about today. So check out ZieglerCertified.com for possibly the most life-changing event you could attend to get a life and career radical makeover. The next event is in March, 2016. There's only four of them happening. Each is limited to only 25 people. You will come spend five full days at Ziegler legendary headquarters led by Tom Ziegler himself and the Ziegler family and team. So folks, today I bring you Mark Tim. Uh, to inter- introduce him, I'm going to play a three-minute clip from his website's video intro, and then I'll have Mark and Tom Ziegler both come on live with us. So here is Mark Tim. I'm playing this right off of YouTube. If you type in Mark Tim, you'll probably find it if you want to actually see it as well. But right now, we're just going to enjoy the audio. I have spent the last 18 years as the CEO of the company I co-founded out of my garage. I've built it into the category leader in my industry and currently sell my products all over the world. I greatly enjoy the work that I do and I've accomplished a lot in my business. I'm also a professional speaker. I've delivered speeches in 45 states, five foreign countries, and even introduced the president and first lady on national television. However, for most of my career, I found that no matter how successful my business was, I could not find that same success at home. I became frustrated by my inability to win at home like I win at work. Many times that frustration led me to work longer hours and travel more with work where I could see and find success. I even used to joke with fellow business leaders that it was much easier to be the CEO of my business than it was to be the CEO of my family. When I left the office each day, I left a world of rules, strategies, and success and entered a world of chaos, drama, and raging hormones. All of that changed one day when I realized that I was looking at my family structure all wrong. You see, I have an amazing family. My wife, Ann, and I get to be the parents of six of the coolest kids on the planet. So what changed? It is truly so simple. I realized that I am the CEO of another business, a bigger business, 
In fact, I soon came to realize that I am the CEO of the most valuable business in the world. Yeah, that's right. I truly believe that my family is the most valuable business that I will ever run today or in the future. I discovered that what I already knew about succeeding in business worked just as well for succeeding at home. My wife and I now have clarity and confidence when it comes to our parenting strategy, and our family is thriving like never before. We are both all in, and I find myself spending more time with my wife and my kids, being more intentional as a parent and providing the leadership that my family needs from their father. Today, I am helping leaders like you leverage their business success to win at home like they win at work by sharing the simple strategies we use in our home that every business leader already knows and uses. All right, folks. Um, I hope that that piqued your curiosity and Mark has five proven practices to make us all better, more confident parents, help us win at home like we win at work. And that's what we're going to cover today. And that really got my attention. Uh, I mean, Mark's premise is that we already know the principles to succeed. Those of us who are working uh, in whatever capacity that, you know, in succeeding there, that we know the principles to succeed, we use them at work. We just need to harness them at home. Uh, so Mark started off the video mentioning his success at work, though he didn't mention what he did. Mark is the president and CEO of a company he co-founded 15 years ago called Cottage Garden Inc. Uh, they are the number one supplier of musical gift products in North America. In 2009, Cottage Garden was named runner-up as the National Small Business of the Year. They now have over 200 sales representatives in 10 countries, and their products are found in tens of thousands of retailers uh, worldwide. I mean, Mark has had significant success in business, so of course now we want to see how he applied that to succeed at home. Now, you can also find Mark at Mark Tim, and his last name is T-I-M-M marktim.com where you'll want to go right away to get his ebook when at home, like you win at work. And it goes through all this, what we're going to hit on today. Of course, I'm going to dig into a couple different perspectives. My interest, uh, if you've been listening to this show long is often to look at the things with the messages that are given and to discern somewhat where the cutoff points are for people or, you know, where they might hear that, but go, gosh, that, but I, I don't know how to do that. So let's dig in and, you know, figure out how do we actually make that happen in, in real life? Sometimes we hear a great message, but it doesn't resonate into something actionable because there's a cutoff point. So I'm going to hit on a couple things today there, and we are going to touch on those, the, the five principles or five practices for doing all this. And, uh, but again, you can get that entire ebook when at home, like you went at work. I think it's just for your, you give your email address or something. It's a quick download. I did it myself and you can get that at his website, marktim.com. All right, folks. So I've just brought Mark, Tim and Tom Ziegler on with me live and Mark, as we've been talking, I'm, I'm excited about this topic. It's, uh, uh, so timely for me. And it's of course a topic that's always, of highest priority. And, uh, you know, I admittedly have some of the perspectives that I'm going to, we're going to dig into and turn upside down and shake around a little bit 
and uh, help people come away where they feel like they could walk this out, which you do so well in your ebook, which I've already sent them to go get at marktem.com. And remember folks, Tim is T I M M, but Hey, just want to welcome you. Thank you for honoring us with your time. And, uh, want to want you to lead off if you will, by letting everybody know your personal zig story, because it's really cool. Yeah, I've, I, you know, so much of myself, I've been defined by my early zig experience. It actually goes back, uh, 30 years ago. And my first Zig story uh, really was at the National FFA Convention. I was attending it as a freshman in high school, and I'm going there. I'd never heard a motivational speaker, and my ag teacher had told me about what this you know, would expect. And here this guy gets up on stage, and man, he's just he just blows me away. Everything he has to say. And at the time, you know, a lot of his message was see at the top. And he he talked to us a lot about goal setting. And that was when I really got, you know, uh, connected with the whole concept of goal setting and setting goals. And admittedly, I hadn't really set many goals in my life at that point. But that event, that convention really changed my life. At that point, I said, if a young man, a farm boy from Fillmore, Indiana can go to the National FFA convention and hear the likes of Zig Ziglar, I want to see how far I can go and what I can do. And it was at that point that it just, I took the reins off and I did everything I could and put myself in position and I set goals. And you fast forward a little bit, And in this organization, you had the chance to excel through leadership positions, and I became a chapter officer and then chapter president, then district president, and then state president. And here I was running for national FFA president in 1990, and – Again, Zig Ziglar is back at the National FFA mm-hmm. Convention, delivering one of the most powerful speeches I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm literally 15 feet from the stage, and it feels like he's looking at me, and he's pointing at me, and he's challenging me, and he's inspiring me. And two days later, I walked across the stage as the National FFA president. And Zig was very connected with the FFA. He really loved the FFA. And so I received an invitation a week after being elected as national president to be his personal guest at the Born to Win conference in Dallas, Texas. And so I certainly wasn't going to pass that up, although it took a few months for Born to Win to come around. And I went to Born to Win. I not only got to go to Born to Win, I got to go to Zig's house and, and meet the redhead and and just continued to just inspire me and really equip me with skills that I am still using mm-hmm. today. So that's 25 years ago. And at that point in time, I got to sit down and be eye to eye, nose to nose with Zig Ziglar. And he, it was life-changing, absolutely life-changing uh, experience that I had. And from this point forward, my poor kids, you know, they get to hear a lot of Zig Ziglar stories. I still have my cassette tapes yeah. that he gave me when I was at Born to Win, and I refused to get rid of them uh, because they meant so much to me and my early development. That's great. My dad has the same thing. He has the same tapes that I listened to. He had me listen to as a kid and I think he's he's stored them away and uh maybe a little bronze them someday or something um but I love the story well so let's dig in here I mean right away even just in your biography that I was reading through Mark you lead off with some perspectives that I mean I I think most people resonate with in significant ways I know I did and uh, one part you say there were days that I would make more than a hundred decisions in my business with confidence and clarity, but I struggled to make the first three decisions that hit me as I walked into the door of my home. I also struggled with my leadership role at home 
At work, there was a clear structure and chain of command, but at home, the structure was fuzzy. The chain of command was anything but clear. Thankfully, that chaos ended for my wife and me when I discovered a way to bring those two worlds together by incorporating the most valuable business we will ever own, 2B Thames LLC. And, you know, I, I have heard, I have, I have had times of feeling those feelings. I have definitely talked with a lot of people, especially guys, you know, friends of mine who feel, I mean, that first statement, you know, you make all these decisions in the business, you're just on fire, you walk in home and you're just a putz. And so before we get into the how of your methodology here that we're going to talk about, I want to ask some about the why. I mean, there, what are, when you have that reality that a lot of folks are living in, what are some of the long-term risks in essence associated with allowing this reality of success at business, but not at home? When you let those exist, I mean, people enjoying that success, having those feelings, those, those that level of fulfillment at work, and then coming home, feeling that incompetent, impotent feeling, there's got to be some consequences to that. Yeah, I think I was being generous when I said I struggled with the first three decisions. There were days that I, I, I my driveway was, you know, it was a third of a mile, and there would be days that I would sit at that first third of a mile and just question if I was ready. And I would walk in the door and get hit and and hit hard, and I would struggle, and and that went on for a number of years. And so, when you talk about the long term risks of of going down this path, you know it it feeds on itself. And and what I would say to you is this: that what I found in looking back and reflecting is that your children, my children, our children will be led. They are sponges. They, they're, they're designed to be led. They're not born a natural leader. They're going to be led by someone or something. And in today's world, it's television. So if we're comfortable with um, the television leading our kids, then we should spend as much time at work as we possibly can or, or, or the internet or, or worse yet, video games. They're going to be led by something or somebody and what I realized is, is that my children and my family was being led, and it was not by me. And so I think the risks are huge, and they're so high. And, and here's the slippery slope. So we feel success at work. We have success. I, I won awards. I hit goals. I made my you know, objectives at business. And I would come home and feel like a failure. I would struggle. And then you know what I would do? I would retreat to that area of success. I would retreat to that place that I felt success and I felt great. And so what happened is is that I easily justified going on another business trip, traveling a little bit more, staying longer in the office. Very easy to justify because why? I was providing for my family. I was doing the thing that I was supposed to do, but what I wasn't doing is leading my family. And I want to tell you something. I get chills even just remembering this, but it wasn't that long ago as we've implemented this new strategy and I've found ways to spend such incredible quality time with my children. And my oldest, who's about to turn 18, he sat down with me one day when we were having a face-to-face man-to-man and he said, Dad, I need to tell you something. He said, all those times that you were traveling, all those days, I told you that I understood, but I have to fess up. I never understood. I never understood why you weren't at my games. I never understood why you weren't home to help me with homework. I never understood any of that. But I understand now, and I understand what you're doing, and thank you for doing this before I moved out of this house. 
And it was one of the most powerful things. I was in a puddle by the time he was done sharing that with me. So, I mean, that's an answer that's incredibly convicting. So if you allow that gap between work and home, well, in one sense, you're saying it's, it's going to just continue to widen one, but even more so the one that is the most compelling to me is it's going to get filled. That gap is not a gap. Well, it's, it's going to get filled. It's a distance that's going to get filled by something or someone else. And yeah, absolutely. You know, TV, internet, video games, whatever it is, but whatever it is, it's not you as the parent, as the, as the father, as the mother, that is, um, uh, who wants that? I mean, that's, that's scary as can be. And of course we see the consequences of that. Speaking of consequences, many people today are realizing the consequences of bad credit and credit karma is a sponsor of today's Ziegler show. So I want to talk about them. I signed up for credit karma myself recently. I mean, for a long time, I've gotten offers from my banks and lenders with notes about my credit score, how it's changed and, and whatnot. And it asked me to check it out. Truthfully, when I've attempted to access that info, it seems complex or I have to pay and I've just never taken the time to get through that. Credit Karma gets your credit report, no strings attached, no credit card required. Plus, it's incredibly easy to use. I know, I did it myself. It's why there are 50 million members already using Credit Karma. Uh, credit Karma doesn't just show you a score and send you away. They actually break it down so you can see how your actions or what actions affect your score and have affected your score. Like how if you use too much of your credit limit, your score can go down. I mean, there's useful information all over the site like articles and how closing old credit cards could actually hurt your credit. I found two reasons myself that are affecting my credit score negatively that I just didn't realize. I didn't know what it was. So I went in there and they tell me how to fix it. So visit Credit Karma. That's with a K. Credit K-R-M-A, K-A-R-M-A dot com slash save right now to get your free report. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash save. Well, another question on this, I mean, Mark, you were already, of course, if, we, if we've gone through a great success at work, I mean, a very enviable place and starting a business, starting a company and having the success that you did. Now you go after, and this is your story. Now you went after success at home. How did you focus on, how did the focus on success at home affect your work is my question. Is it something that people go, well, yeah, you, you have that kind of success. Well, you could afford the time. And, uh, and so you just, you know, took it away from work cause you could, or did it, what well, just, just, just that question, did it take away sure. from work or add to it? Well, it, without a doubt. Okay. It took away from my overall quantity of time. Okay. But what it showed me when I learned how to be intentional at home and when I saw the impact that was happening at home, this is what's so crazy is that, you know, and, and I'm going to say this now because it's just important to be said, the entire concept that we're talking about, the whole, everything that we're talking about, anybody that's ever been in a business environment that's had any element of success at work already has the skills that they need to be successful at home. And so when I realized that, it was it was that epiphany that I could take things from my work to home and, and start to get results at home that I, I only dreamed of, that you won't be surprised in knowing as things started getting really awesome at home, I was learning things about that dynamic that I could take back to work. Because for years, I called my work 
family, my work family. I would call them the cottage garden family. And I would use that word family. And I think oftentimes we spend more time with our colleagues at work than we even do our family at home. And so, but I wasn't treating my staff. I wasn't treating my manager. I wasn't treating my staff like a family. And when I saw what was happening in my home, I started reversing it and actually applying some of that back at work. And it was incredible the amount of results that I was getting. I I felt like I had to control everything, make every decision at work. And as I started seeing how the dynamics at home worked, I applied that back at work and I started trusting people more. I started embracing them more. I started connecting more with their why. Because guess what? Their why to be and work for me isn't because they love Cottage Garden more than anything in the world. It's because they love their family deeply and richly and they see working here as a means of being able to be and provide for their family. So as I started connecting with their families and with them, I saw the productivity rise across the platform and in doing so, I was able to let go of some things that I had held so tightly on. And the amazing thing is is that I found more margin. Now granted, I became far more intentional at work. I don't waste any time at work. I'm very intentional with my time, effort, and energy at work so that I can do what matters most to me, which is to lead the most valuable business that I will ever own, which is my family. So I became more intentional, but this is the the, the holy grail of all of it, and that is it's all about example. As I started taking my family serious. I saw that spread throughout the entire company. We became more like a family. I saw people taking their family more serious. People were working crazy hours because I was working crazy hours. They were following my example. They were following a bad example. And yes, we were getting results, but it wasn't healthy results. It wasn't sustainable results. It wasn't a way that they could achieve their success at home and also at work. And so, yes, definitely there was a an exchange from both what happened at home back to the work. And I think it's made my work environment a healthier and happier place. I think I have more loyal employees and more productive employees because of the success that I now see at home. So Mark, you you said something that reminded me of what dad used to say is, you know, people would be at work and they'd, they'd be thinking about their family and then they would be with their family and they'd be thinking about their work. And so dad says, you got to quit traveling metaphorically, right? Yeah. You got to be a hundred percent present. And I think that's a huge takeaway here is when we're intentional in home and we're intentional at work, then we can be present. Right. But when we're trying to escape the one to go to the other, then we get into trouble. Well, I have a lot of zig quotes in my arsenal. And one of my favorites is uh, you can't truly be considered successful in your business life if your home life is in shambles. And, and I know that was a, a famous quote of his, but I know he lived it and he believed it. Yeah, there's a there's a radio spot right now in the Dallas area, and it talks about people who trade their health, their family, everything for financial success. And then when they have financial success, they can't buy back their family. They can't buy back their health. So yeah, love that. That's that's significant. Just what you shared there about the influence of work. So I got a, I got a business partner and we're going to listen to that part together and, and talk through that right there. So Randy, when you're listening to this, it's for you, buddy. All right. So, so your main premise, Mark, 
of being CEO of a business, uh, your family, the most valuable business you'll ever run. And you need to leverage your business success to win at work like you win at home. So on one hand, that sounds exciting. On the other, when I first started, I thought it kind of sound a little concerning too. You know, it, it almost brings up to mind the, the military guy who comes home and treats his family like his platoon, you know, which doesn't sound too enticing. I mean, at business and at work, we strive for an expected desire and outcome, uh, that doesn't sound so loving and relational. Now, again, you know, I wanted to ask that question. I had that prep for you, though. You just talked a little bit about how it impacted your, your work after you started it. But to begin with, that thought process of, okay, I've got these business principles. I'm going to take them home. Doesn't sound real touchy-feely. Well, I'm going to be very honest with you and tell you that even though I had this amazing you know, uh, epiphany and I brought it home, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it went over awesome right off the bat. When we first started trying to schedule family meetings, we got tremendous resistance because remember, I only started this about four years ago and I had active teenagers who thought dad had lost it. And so, you know, we, we resorted to what we do have to do sometimes as parents and we, we bribed them. So Excellent. we don't have uh, we don't have ice cream in our house, but let me tell you something, Kevin. Every single family meet had a big old tub of ice cream, and so all of a sudden, when the family meeting time came around, they were there for ice cream. And when it was hot outside, we'd go outside and we'd have s'mores. And so you know, we did whatever it took in the beginning to to get them there. And admittedly, business practices are not instantly accepted by teenagers or young kids. And and some people that I've I've mentored through this process, they're like, yeah, but my kids are little. How I can't do this. And so, you know, so the reality is, is that you do have to understand that, you know, you've got to take, you already know everything you need to know, but would you have a meeting with your managers differently than your production staff? Of course you would. You tailor that meeting to the audience and what's appropriate for them. And so as long as you do that, you know, it's going to work. And so for us, what this all really boiled down to was bringing this framework that we already knew, we already understood, and we'd already seen the results of success, what it really did was it didn't turn us into a military family. What it did is it gave us incredible, it made us intentional. Mm -hmm. It gave us amazing clarity about who we were as a family, what was important to us, and it gave us focus as a family. What were we going to achieve? How were we going to achieve it? And I, I can even share an example, you know, prior to putting this plan in place, my wife and I would focus a lot on grades. They're grades and grades, and a lot of parents do because it's the only metrics you have to grab a hold of and see how your kids are doing at school. And our kids were doing okay, A, B, C students. We'd get some honor rolls here and there, and we would not get honor rolls here and there. And, and, and we were frustrated because we, we felt like the kids could do better. And when we put this in place, we, we realized, oh, my gosh, if we were in business, we wouldn't be focusing on the end. We'd be focusing on how we get there. So we completely scrapped the concept of grades, and we started focusing on their character. And we started focusing on them doing their best. And as long as they did their best, we didn't care what grades they got. We just wanted to make sure they did their best. We started focusing on their work ethic. We started focusing a lot on their communications with their teachers because we realized they weren't communicating a lot with their teachers. We started sharing our, 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 what we were doing at school and what we had coming up and tests and everything. And it was amazing when we quit focusing on the grades and we focused on the stuff that really matters, the grades took care of themselves. I'm here to tell you that, you know, that it was the, the last grading period that we had of six kids, five of them brought home straight A's and the other one was on the AB honor roll. 
We don't talk about grades anymore in our house. We don't, we don't focus on grades in our house. Grades take care of themselves because we focus on the right things, not the wrong things. And I'm not saying grades are wrong, but focusing on them is wrong. You focus on what makes them a productive human being and they'll take care of the grades. And so when you ask that question and when you when you look at it, it really boils down not to, you know, to implementing this this military mindset or this this you know structure and regimen. It's just about focus. It's about clarity and it's about being intentional. And that's what bringing these business concepts into the likes of a family, especially if you look at your family as it's the most valuable business that you will ever be gifted with the opportunity to own or run, why wouldn't you run it the best of your ability? You know, I I love that. In fact, the other night I was at a a dinner and one of the parents there is is a rodeo guy. He's a world champion. And his son just got a rodeo scholarship, and uh, he's a freshman in college. And FFA and, you know, raised livestock and competitive rodeo. And so we started talking around the table, how's he doing? And they said, well, we don't know yet. He hadn't come on with his freshman grades. And I said, well, you don't have anything to worry about because the responsibility of taking care of livestock is far more intense than grades are in school, right? Because you've got priorities, you know what's important, there's consequences when you mess up and they happen real fast. And it's just, you know, what an awesome thing to put the priority on becoming the right kind of person and doing it in the right way and the grades take care of themselves. Uh, that's incredible. And I wanted to point out to folks that when that this uh, piece of the family meetings, that is one of Mark's five keys that we're going to hit on here uh, in just a minute. So you just heard that one and we're going to hit on the other ones because I know I know because I, I'm thinking it too. some of these. I'm, I want more. I want more. I, how do you do that? How did you you know, where'd you come up with the topics and some of those? So we'll talk through a little bit about that. I do have before we get into those one more question for you. Um, out of curiosity to some degree, I mean, you say after implementing the principles, you and your wife have clarity and confidence in your parenting strategy. And I was reading some stuff at Thomas Stanley's recently, and I actually mentioned uh, some of it at the beginning of the show, but he had a quote that says, love should be the basis for a long and happy marriage, but even deep affection can be tarnished if a couple does not share the same goals and objectives. Uh, you know, so my experience with the vast majority of parents is they don't have any specific strategy, nothing very concrete, if if anything, and they often haven't specifically come together uh, and hopefully aren't at odds in their parenting plan. So my questions, two questions for you is what was your wife's initial reaction to all this? And then did you guys really have any type of parenting strategy per se before this all came to pass? Before Mark answers that question, I've got to tell you about a new sponsor of the Ziggler show that is just excellent, texture.com, where you can get your favorite magazines electronically. Folks, I'll never buy another CD again as I get all the music I want online. Well, there are many magazines I'd love to read, but I'm no longer willing to get a big magazine sent to me that I enjoy for 10 minutes, then throw away. It just feels archaic and kind of wasteful. 
Texture was founded by the five biggest magazine publishers, and for less than the price of three magazines at the grocery store aisle, you can get all your favorite magazines on your mobile device. Uh, For me, as soon as I saw that they had Fast Company Magazine, Runner's World, and Outside Magazine, I I was sold. Even more so, as a writer, they have a really strong search feature, and I can search and curate topics for content. Now, the best part, Texture is offering Ziggler listeners a free trial right now when you go to Texture, T-E-X-T-U-R-E dot com slash Ziggler. So think about that. You'll gain unrestricted access to the world's best magazines from back issues to the one on the newsstands today. So just like CDs, I'll never buy again as I get the world's library online for less than the price of a CD a week. I'll now enjoy all my favorite magazines every month. For less than the cost of three uh, other magazines at a grocery store aisle and not kill another tree. So go to texture.com slash Ziggler now and get your free trial. Well, my wife, uh, she very much embraced because I think she could tell that I was struggling. I think she she knew the success that I felt outside of the home and she knew I was struggling at home. She knew that I wanted to be the best dad and that I wanted the best for our family, but that I was I was struggling and 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 when I was struggling, she was struggling. And so, you know, so for certain she was open to it and I remember setting her down and, and explaining this whole concept and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And and she said, I'm in. I'm all in. Let's do this. And, you know, I think I would describe us and our plan very much like I would lots of families who have reached out to me as a result of my platform and have gone to marktim.com and then and then sent emails and messages and they kind of say the same thing. And it goes like this. Right now, their definition of success in family is surviving. Mm-hmm. That's the word they use over and over and over. That's the word that gets used is we're surviving. And and the mental picture that I get is somebody that's in water all the way up to their neck. And if they lift their head high enough, they can still breathe. And so they're surviving. And the difference between what we're doing today and where our family is, and by the way, prior to starting this, we were a family that was surviving. We were surviving, okay? We weren't drowning, we were surviving. And so where we're now at is, the word I would use, is thriving. Hmm. And so the difference between surviving and thriving happens when you have a plan, happens when you get intentional, when you have focus, when you start setting goals together as a family when you come together and and you you unite and you know I've mentioned family meeting already and and I know that's something we'll talk about more but when we sit there united in the presence of our children and believe me they look for every weakness every crack in the dam that they can find but the more united that we are about what we're doing and how convicted we are about where we're taking them all of a sudden they fall right in line but if they can feel a weakness, if they can feel a crack, and that's where the structure comes into play. Without structure, without focus, you, you've got chaos. And, and that's where a lot of parents get played against each other because they don't have that framework. They don't have that structure that allows them to be able to be on the same page. So we constantly default you know, to you know, the plan that we've put forward, the family business. The family business is our default, and we go back to say, what's our family mission? You know, what are we about, and does it fit in our family mission, and is it who we're about? And we can default to that very safely with the kids and each other whenever we get a little lost and we're 
we're going down a rabbit trail, we can default back to the family business that we've put forward and the value structure that we put forward because it was a joint effort. Our kids were just as involved with our family logo and our family mission statement as we were. So there's tremendous buy-in, and that's where we have this platform. I guess you could say it's the foundation at which our family is built on, and our foundation now is rock solid instead of being like sand and being shaky everywhere we stepped. So the difference between surviving and thriving is having those goals. It sounds like that goal stuff from that Zig Ziglar guy. You know, I just (laughs) – very similar. That's – you know, when I heard that, I thought, you know, I wouldn't say that that we're just surviving. And I I think there's some aspects of thriving. But, man, as soon as I got your stuff – and for folks listening, we had this interview. I'll I'll tell that story. We had this interview scheduled – uh, weeks ago, month, more, more than that. And, uh, you know, I was going through and wanting to uh, familiarize myself with Mark and his, his, his stuff. And I just, I, I, I sent an email real quick and said, we, I don't want to do the interview. Can we please postpone it? I want to do some of this. I want to experience some of this. And right off the bat, you know, the first thing, family meeting, okay, we need to do a family meeting because we've done some of that in the past, but it'd been a long time. And then of course the first obstacle came up is just making the stupid thing happen. Um, which I, you know, I emailed you multiple times and no, I haven't done it yet. Haven't done it. You know, we finally uh, did a semblance of it. Now trying to do it right here amongst the holidays has, has been difficult, but we talked about, okay, this is a, a kind of a, a new year's resolution in essence of starting to do this. Um, but we did one, we did instill some things and I think I'll wait, uh, until we get down here a little bit to share what we did, but it was just significant. And, you know, so I, I want to get to that place. Would I say that we're fully thriving um, again in some areas, but there's some areas where we're hurting and we desperately need some intentionality and some unity. Um, so I'm, I'm so eager to do this. Okay. So I want to jump in practice one of your five practices. I just want to hit on each one. So uh, folks, again, go to Mark Tim, that's M A R K T I M M.com. You can get the ebook so you can look at this. You may even want to do that and have it in front of you while you're listening to the, uh, to the show here. But, uh, so practice one is incorporate your family as a business. I mean, you literally, uh, I, I think you're actually literal on this, right? Yeah, well, for us, we did it literally. Um, I'm an entrepreneur and a serial entrepreneur. I've had multiple businesses. I've started, I've sold multiple businesses. And so incorporating businesses is something I just really know. I'm very comfortable with it. I'm familiar with it. And so when this idea came up, I thought, I got to do this right. I've got to be all in. I I can't leave any chance for the family to say, we're out. And so the idea that I had was I actually legally incorporated the business to be Tim's LLC And I evenly divided the shares. So my youngest child has the same amount of shares that I do. My oldest child has the same amount of shares that my wife does. And so when when I first started, you know, having these meetings, I actually called them shareholder meetings Mm -hmm. because I felt like if they had skin in the game, if they had, you know, equity in the family business, that they would they would take it more serious. And so for me, I legally incorporated it. I don't think Every family has to legally incorporate it. I think they can incorporate their family, you know, that in a way that gets buy-in and really puts structure around their family. But if they want to, they certainly can. And I've had requests for people to to do like a mock incorporation. So that's something we're working on on the website where they can incorporate it without necessarily paying the fees to to do it um, legally. But for us, we did it legally because we wanted to give our family the organizational framework that it needed to apply 
these business practices you know that that we really cared about most into our family and it's worked really well because now the family actually you know we we've been able to generate some money as a family and put it in the family corporation and we've gone on a little family trip and we've donated and mm-hmm. and our my kids are old enough remember I've got teenagers that we're now talking about where do we you know I'm very transparent about our philanthropic efforts and so they now have a decision what what are we going to give to this year and why and mm-hmm. and how is that going to impact our family business and you know how does it fit the mission and values of our family business so it's really grown a lot in the last few years to become real and tangible um, for them but it started out just as that framework so that we could take off wow so so the first thought of that okay we're going to incorporate our family there's a a a perspective or it comes to mind for me for the kids especially incorporate the family, but what is it? What is the family? Which I think is what leads us to number two for you uh, on here is create a family brand, which I I love. I'm a business guy as well, entrepreneur, and I love branding. I love, that's the image. That's the what, that's the, that's the anchor, you know, of any business. And so you created a family brand and it brought to mind, Tom, you'll remember this, the recent interview that we had with Andy Andrews, and he was discussing, defining the standards one lives by. And I think he was talking about it in relation to his two sons and a story there. But so, but so by brand, I mean, I I assume your focus isn't, isn't just a snazzy name and logo though. I think you have one, but, but tell us about it. Well, the snazzy name and logo just was, was, a way to make it fun for the kids. Uh, Creating the logo was a lot of fun. We had so many different versions to choose from and they all had ideas. And so, and every little element in the logo, and you can see that on the, on the website, you can see our family logo and every piece of our logo means something. But the reality, the bigger picture here of why, you know, what is creating a family brand? Why is that important? It's because it really gave us clarity about shared equity. Uh, we talk to our kids about brand equity all the time, but the truth is, is that our businesses, they, they grow as they grow. And as shareholders of in the family, they're now actively involved in increasing the overall value of the brand. We talk about brands. We talk about Apple. We talk about you know the Ziegler brand. We talk about what makes a brand a brand. And what we find in most brands is they have a mission. And so that allowed us to talk about our mission statement, our our motto, it's, it's an abbreviated version of our shared mission statement about what we value. It keeps us focused on what it means to be a Tim. It also helps us with our priorities. When making decisions, we now look to the family motto and the brand identity to see what's most important. And our brand helps us keep first things first. And then recently, we've been able to talk to them about legacy. We've been able to talk to them about, you know, our, our children about how to create an increased value in the family brand for the long term. We focus on intentionally developing priceless values that are going to pass along for generations. Mm-hmm. And recently, we've talked a lot in our family brand about reputation because the kids, the older kids, are seeing that our family has a reputation at school. And, you know, and our, our youngest child who is in middle school that's not in high school yet, a, another student walked up to her and said, you must be a Tim. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've never seen you before in my life. Who are you? How do you know me? And she said, I've known enough Tims to know a Tim when I see one and you're a Tim. Wow. And I can't wait to see 
what you do when you get in high school. And she came home and she was just beaming. And it just, it meant that well, she's like, you're right. You're right about this reputation stuff. And it just, it, it upped the ante for her that all of a sudden, and it, and it wasn't that we want to put pressure on her. It just, she realized that, that there is a reputation, that our family brand has a reputation. And we talk about it in family meetings about how our reputation is our value. It is our brand equity and how it does have meaning and how they want to be a part. They want to be Tim's. And I, I think this is probably a great place that I can share this, and I want to be open about it, that, that our, our family business is actually a family merger. We're a blended family. So we brought two families together, and I think the best example I can, I can give you of how incredibly powerful having a family brand is, is when the three children, we're the modern-day Brady Bunch, three boys and three girls, and we're a couple years, almost three years into this whole process – and the three children that did not have Tim as a last name came to came to me and my wife and said, "Look, it's time. You know, this is ridiculous. We're we're all in here, and and we love the brand that we're creating, but we're missing something. And so we got to fix this. And it was it was the youngest of the three, and she said, "I'm a Tim." It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I'm a Tim, and I want to get this straight and official. And if I walk across that stage in high school and they hand me a diploma and it doesn't say Tim, I'm handing it back. And so, you know, so because and, – and that feeling, that, that momentum that was created, it all came back to this brand. And so, you know, so it, it may not sound like much, but it really is critical as we want to create great things and thrive as a family. We've got to address, you know, our mission, our priorities, our legacy, our reputation, powerful beyond measure for a family and for the shareholders in that family. I love multiple things in all that, Tim. One is it, it's obviously a great platform for teaching them business and commerce and some things of like that, which I, I love. And my kids get a lot of that for me. I like that benefit as well from this. And I really want to ask some overarching questions or a couple questions on, on the time when some of this takes place, some of the topics and how those are generated. But um, just for, for folks, I do want to honor going through the five keys real quick. So I'm going to come to those. Uh, the third one, though, is actually we've already covered it, family meetings. And you've covered that well. And so I'm going to jump to practice four, which is employ family accountability, which is you know the big A word that is daunting to most people. Um, I'm not sure anyone likes the thought of accountability as a, as a face value term there. But uh, how do you do this and how, is it, how has it been a benefit to you, know, you as parents but also to the kids to have family accountability? Yeah, this one was tricky. Um, this this is critical. This is part of the glue that holds us together. Um, you know, the the hub of our entire wheel of these five practices is the family meeting. So I want you to know that um, we've talked about it and touched on it several times already. And the reason why is because a lot of these practices really take shape and are implemented in the family meeting. So our family, if we don't have a family meeting and we have them on Sunday nights, if we don't have a family meeting on Sunday nights, we feel it the next week. We we feel it as a family. It impacts us greatly. And so, you know, so part of where the family accountability came back is, is from the family meetings. And so, and we were trying to think, how do we have accountability that's shared? I mean, how does it, how is it shared? You know, because parents, we have to be the brand. I mean, they're looking for us. You talk about, you know, being the brand and, and we hear that a lot of times that 
that work, but parents are the brand. As the CEO of my family, I'm ultimately responsible for the health of the brand, which is my family. And so if I don't live out what we value, no one else will. My wife, Ann, functions as the CFO, COO, CTO, you name it, she's got them all. And so uh, countless other titles, but if we don't practice what we preach, we'll never get out of our family what we value in the brand. And I'm going to jump forward to the end of this whole accountability, and I'm going to jump to a practical application that listeners can go to because here's when we started figuring out, you know, I found in business, I bet you I have signed or been a part of 500 contracts. But what I realized is, is that when my children leave my home, they will not have experienced a contract. Now, I have a cell phone contract that I sign with AT&T and they, you know, they benefit from that, but they don't sign that contract. Right. And so maybe a mortgage contract, etc. And so one of the things we started doing, which is a very business thing to do, businesses contracts, it's almost impossible to have a business without being in some form of a contract. Okay, you have a business partner. You probably have some kind of an agreement in your business relationship. And so what we did is we took that very practical business application and we applied it to our family. And so if our children take a significant step of responsibility, we put a contract together that explains what their commitment is, what our commitment is to them, and what the desired outcome is going to be. And so first and foremost, you don't get a cell phone in the Tim house without signing a contract. I have to have a contract. You're going to have a contract, and it spells it out. So when they mess up, Mom and dad don't have to be the mean people anymore. We just pull out the contract and say, mm, .4 right here, that's, that means it's gone for a week. Mm-hmm. And we're now, now all of a sudden, you know, we're not mean and, and, and we're not all over the place and they can't play mom and dad against each other because it's in black and white. And we've had to say more than once, uh, did we forget to read the contract? Uh, yeah, yeah, we forgot to read it. Well, it's right there, you know, and so and so sometimes we'll re-up some of these contracts annually so they understand and we'll adjust them. But if they want to be in part of a school club or if they want to um, social media, you know, there's so many different things. A driver's license, I mean, yeah, they get a license, but that's a, that's a privilege. So they've got to sign a contract in our house uh, before they start driving. And so, so that's one of the ways that we've been able to take a business contract Concept that's so common to all of us, but not to our kids. Right. Our kids will not be intimidated when they get their first contract when they leave because they've lived with it and they've understood it and it's helped them with clarity and focus. You know, in our, in our interview uh, with Andy Andrews, he said this, and I'd like for you to comment on this because the contract thing is awesome. He said, our objective as parents is not to raise good kids our objective as parents is to raise good adults so just, uh, amen just, just comment on that because this yeah, contract I, thing is like i can it gives me chills thinking about the um lengthy conversation that i had with my teenage son last night because the whole thing was about that very topic because the easy thing, you know, he was very upset because I called him out on, you know, uh, being respectful. And, you know, and the easy thing to do is to not call him out because he's a year and a half. He'll be out of the house and, and on his own. And, and there you go. The hard thing to do 
is to dig in and, and do the tough thing and, and explain the life lesson because what I care about is I care about what kind of father he is someday. I care about what kind of friend he is someday. I care about what kind of man he becomes. And so what, what we're doing right now is equipping them to be successful in life and to be successful adults, um, not just to survive high school. I think some of the things we're doing is helping them to, you know, to, to survive in high school. It's even helping them just thrive in high school. But the reality is, is that I want them to thrive as adults because of what they've learned. And I have to tell you, I am sitting here today. The only reason I am on this podcast today is because of my father, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather, who I was fortunate to have in my life. And I realized they gave me the blueprint for success as a parent. And all too often, we, we go against the grain of, of what we learned. But if you boil down and take the best of what our you know our parents grandparents influential you know adults in our life gave us and yeah we have to package it for today because today's different they didn't have cell phones and internet so you have to package it differently but you're still the goal is the same for them to become healthy happy and productive adults i love that love andy too yeah yeah that i mean so much of what you're sharing here i'm grateful that i can attest to having it's it's a common verbiage common concepts in our home but they're not intentional they're not written down and they're not as clear for sure and i actually i was writing notes myself here i think i'm going to have my like our first official family meeting of 2016 may just be to listen to this uh especially my older ones and uh get on board for even starting this. I think they'll all love it because they have so much that we do, but it's, it's just not clear. We veer away from it. We forget it. And, uh, this is, this is killer. All right. Well, I want to tell you what our first, our first official meeting, the kids don't know this yet. Um, but, uh, thanks to Zig and, uh, 30 years ago and 25 years ago, I learned goal setting and goal setting is really important to me. So what our family doesn't know is that my, my wife and I, a friend of mine, Michael Hyatt does a best year ever, um, goal setting course. And we went through it together as, as husband and wife. And it was, it was powerful for our family. So what they don't know is that we're taking them through that. That's the first item of business in 2016 is we are taking our entire family through that video series and that exercise. Exercise and they will emerge on the other side. You know, we're going to do family goals. We're going to do individual goals. Just a very comprehensive. We're going to spend an entire Sunday after church, and we're going to do this together. And so they will have their roadmap uh, for success by the time they're done with uh, that. They'll know what success looks like to them and for them for 2016. And we're going to do family goals as well. So I, I'm super excited about that. I'm jazzed. And I already have experience with this program and I know the kids are going to get a lot out of it. And it reminds me actually of uh, one of my one of my favorite, and I, I got to get this right, Zig quotes is, it's something like, a goal properly set is halfway reached. And that's something I learned in this process. We can set goals, but if we do them right, and that's why I want to take them through an actual process to get there because I want them to be have every shot for all the success that they want to get out of 2016. And it means we have to be intentional about it and help and equip them with the tools they need to be successful. So super excited about uh, um, 2016. And, and one of the main reasons is because I just can't wait to go through this process with my family. 
Well, and that's we need to have we need to have uh, Michael on the show as well. He gets mentioned here a lot. Again, actually, we, what's we, that? We actually sent off an email to him this week. So oh, beauty. He's probably going to be coming on in January. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that'll be good to talk through this. Yeah, again, we do, you know, New Year's Day, we have our goal sheets out. We look at last year's and we do them, but I don't think we're doing them nearly well enough. So, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm continually uh, challenged, inspired, and convicted. You know, and folks, for those of you who are listening, and I'm sure there'll be a lot who have, you know, different circumstances, uh, varying circumstances and, and uh, you know, family structures, and I think a lot will hear this and realize you're not doing anything remotely close to this. And, you know, get again, go get the ebook, start small and be confident in getting anything started. But again, marktim.com, T I M M. Okay, last practice here is maximize family resources. And my first thought on that is, well, that sounds like a dream. I, you know, as, as the uh, guy who's paying for stuff, I'm the one cringing often at our consumption and different aspects. So anything about maximizing resources, I'm all in. Tell us more. Well, maximizing resources, I want to I run off the comment you made here before, too, about families who are maybe listening to this and just can't wrap their head around doing it. Just remember, all it takes is a tub of ice cream, $2.99 <laughs> from the local dollar store to get this kicked off. So it doesn't require a huge investment. Uh, it can be done on, uh, on a tub of ice cream. So, But maximizing resources. So when we look at our resources, when I do my annual planning, which, you know, which I've, I've just completed for my business, I'm always looking at two things, time and money. Those are the resources we have, time allocated to our staff, our own time, money resources, budget, et cetera. Two of the most valuable resources every business has to maximize to achieve success. Simple as that. And so, but every family faces the exact same challenge. They can choose to be to intentionally invest the time and the money they have, or they can let it slip away amidst the chaos of life by surviving instead of thriving. And so for many years, the Tim family, we weren't focused at all in this area. We let ourselves get spread too thin and, and we didn't use our time wisely. And we certainly didn't maximize our family resources. And so um, when we started getting intentional about all of this and putting things in place, we realized that, you know, we've got a bottom line. We have a bottom line in our business, and the bottom line of our business is all about the health, well-being of our family. And so the reality is we figured out how, how are we going to maximize these resources? How are we going to pull everybody together and get on the same page? And so we began sharing more. Okay, this is the key. There's a catch here. We had to start sharing more about our fi- family financial situation with them. And in doing so, they started to understand more about where the money goes. I mean, they just thought their clothes grew on trees and showed up in their closets and food was always in the cabinets. And so we started being more intentional about having these communications with them and talking to them. And, you know, they didn't connect the sacrifices that we made as parents with the financial needs of the family. They really had no idea. And so as a result of all of this, we created a family currency. We realized our kids weren't quite old enough to handle real money and they would get lost or taken and we started that way. So our currency we created was marbles. And so marbles were how you transacted business inside of our family. And you earned marbles. We completely got rid of chores and we just basically put a bounty on different things that needed to happen around our family and you collected marbles for that. Now we applied a value of 50 cents a marble and so here's the coolest thing. We went from being parents who said no all the time to we got to say yes every time. 
They wanted something. Sure, if they had enough marbles for it, as long as it wasn't hurtful or harmful, we could say yes. They wanted something in the grocery store line and it wasn't part of our normal regimen. We said yes. They wanted something extra at the movie. We said yes. They wanted some special clothing item that we wouldn't normally buy. We said yes. Everything became a yes instead of a no as long as they had enough marbles, as long as they had earned. And there was an unlimited amount of ways that you could earn these marbles. And, you know, and so it, it got really fun after a while. You know, and, and by the way, some kids got almost everything they wanted and some kids didn't get much. And it was a direct correlation to their effort, their work ethic. And But let me tell you something. When they wanted something, they found a way to get it. They found a way to work to do it. And it taught them a lot of those other character values, work ethic, et cetera. But what got really cool is that mom and dad – so this, these were a lot of little jobs that's required. I mean there's a lot to make our family work and happen. But mom and dad had the ability to to award marbles for – Anything that we wanted to. And what we found is is that the coolest return on our investment was when we started giving marbles out when our children would point out and find something awesome that one of their siblings did. And in fact, it it got even better because here's the reality is the person who actually brought to the table the awesome thing that their sibling did got more marbles than the person who did the awesome thing. Because it's like in soccer when I was coaching the soccer team, whenever you know the guy would score the goal, the guy who passed the ball, I would have come by the sidelines and we'd get high fives from everybody. The guy who scored the goal, he got the, he got the glory from scoring the goal. And so we felt like let's reward our kids for finding the good in other, because they're, they're naturally selfish. They naturally don't see these things. But when we started rewarding them and, and, and giving them you know, for finding the good, all of a sudden it was amazing how much they could see in each other and how much they could you know, find in each other that was good because they were getting rewarded for it. And it, it would allow us to celebrate a lot more as a family and to, for our kids to see the best in each other instead of the worst because it's easy for them to see the worst. That's that's easy. You can find the worst in anybody, anytime. But finding the best is actually a skill, and it's a skill that we've tried to cultivate in them as we've used this family currency. So family currency can be a whole lot more. Maximizing family resources is about time and money, being intentional, realizing you have a bottom line, and however you create it, create it in a way that really, again, adds value to them as a human being, not just you know, them as a a child at the stage they're in right now. Okay. Well, that is the, and I think it was Tom actually that shared it with me, uh, that part about the marbles. And he even shared the aspect about, uh, rewarding them for their behavior. In essence, that's the primary thing that I started ah, three weeks ago, four weeks, whatever it was. And, uh, although our currency, I, I couldn't find enough marbles. So it was coffee beans. <laughs> so that's that works. There we go. So God, I, I roast my own coffee. So green coffee beans. So we've got their things and we started that though. I heard some stuff from you right there. Uh, I'm going to go alter it, uh, how we're doing it uh, to some degrees tonight. That was significance because uh, significant, I mean, not that we didn't talk about, you know, behavior, but I had found myself harping on the kids for disrespect, being disrespectful, disrespectful to them, to each other, you know, maybe once in a while to mom, not, you know, not that, not that much to us, but uh, to each other, just talking in ways that were unkind. And I'd be talking about fruits of the spirit and things like that. And, 
and, you know, trying to resonate, but making it tangible like this is, uh, is incredible. There's so much that I could ask you about. We may have to, continue I, I got to jump in and yeah. say one thing though. Please. I want to tell you something. I think everybody could benefit from this. Yeah. Having a large family and I do have a large family. We found that we were these disrespect and different things that most discipline that happens in families, I say happens in the dark. It happens in a bedroom or aside from things. And we found that through this family structure, we started doing the discipline in our family meetings and we actually hold family court. And so family court, a jury of their peers, they hear the case, they decide what the punishment is, et cetera. And this is the coolest thing of all. You know, we were dealing with lots of different issues like you were talking about, and the infractions have plummeted since we started doing family court. Now, for two reasons. One, the siblings are seeing, oh, I better not do that because I'll end up in family court and I'll get in trouble. So it exposes the learning on a broader scale. But the second thing is, is that you know the reality is they'll go in front of the court of mom and dad any day but they do not want to go in front of family court so the deterrent is so much bigger and so much greater so part of having this dynamic of having a structure is that when you have issues you know sometimes an issue will come up and we'll just say you know what we're going to take that to family court we don't even deal with it at the moment then they have to think about it for 3 days and it just it's, it's driving them crazy they would love to just get yelled at and punished and be done but they got to think about it for 3 days and then they go in in front of family court and by that time they are sorry and remorseful and they explain what they did and why they did it and why it's never going to happen again and so these are some of the things that kind of grow out of being able to have this intentional structure inside your family i, I love it totally love it uh, yeah there's so many things that i could continue to ask we're going to end up with a marathon show i think it's probably worthwhile to, to go just a little bit further but i think in an over, you know, looking at all this and hearing this, there's so many, you know, questions. Now, one thing. Now, again, I've and I keep plugging the uh, the ebook, of course, for folks to go get that at your at your website. Um, but it's it, it doesn't cover the entirety of all that you're sharing here. And I don't know, in all reality, that Mark, that you have a product or a resource that does give even more detail to this yet. Is that is that correct? Yeah, the reality is is that this is relatively although I've been doing this for mm-hmm. a while, I really just released the platform. So the ebook okay. was the first thing. But what people can do if they'll sign up for the ebook at mm-hmm. marktim.com, they'll get um they'll they'll be basically subscribing to my blog and and this is where I'm sharing the deeper dive inside mm-hmm. of all of these principles. Uh, in fact, there's a there was a great blog post that I I put out to uh, um I'm actually putting it out next week and it's got it just de- dives so much deeper into all of these things we're talking about. And I give a lot of examples of my own family um, and things that we're doing and, and examples of other families. And so so the best way to stay connected with this is at Facebook, The Mark Tim. Uh, and, and we post a lot on Facebook as well as the website. But I promise you, based on the interest that we've gotten so far, there's going to be a lot more resources that are going to morph out of this very quickly uh, because there seems to be a lot of interest in this topic and how to implement it specifically inside of their family. So we've got to figure out how to get some tools that help people really implement this in a, in an easy way. Well, that was part of my question too, is how can people contact you? So if they uh, go get the download, they'll get the blog postings and can communicate with you there. I assume Do you have a comment section there on the blog. 
Yeah, got a comment section. Okay. My email is really tough, mark at marktim.com. Okay. So, right. you know, so really tough. Uh, and so, so, but yeah, go there, leave comments. Um, I, I look at all the comments, I read them all. Um, and so, you know, so that's the best way to really interact and, and just start growing this thing together and, and have them share, you know, with other, other families that are also out there surviving that right. are ready to start thriving. Right. And, and again, folks, his last name, Tim, T-I-M-M. Don't forget the two M's. Uh, on there. Well, and I know you do speaking, um, but Mark, is this a, is this a topic that you're up for? Cause I could see, oh my gosh, having it, you know, come to a, a, a guy's group, a couple, I mean, you know, at a church yeah. or, or, or whatnot and come to a, do a conference, speak on this, speak at mops groups. I mean, is that something that you are available yeah. for sometimes? I do. I've, I've been speaking really ever since my FFA days 25 years ago. I try to limit my speaking engagements because of being intentional and being at home. Um, you know, parenting, I believe parenting is a contact sport. It only happens face to face and, and I have to be there for that to happen. So I really try to control my travel. And, but here's the, the reality is, is that I did a speech recently. It was a Kiwanis group, a large Kiwanis group, a lot of business owners. And I'm there and they, they asked me to come in and speak about my business and business practices and all. I get that, that request quite a bit and, and the business has been very successful and so they've, they want to hear about those practices. But I literally dedicated five to six minutes of my speech about uh, this new business venture that I had that was the most valuable family business in America is what I called it. And I talked about everything that we've talked about here mm-hmm. in business ways and, and bottom line and things that we were doing. And then, oh, by the way, I shared with them that this was also my family. After it was over, a line of people formed and all they wanted to talk about was the five minutes that I talked about about running this valuable business, my family, as a business. They didn't care about all the business principles. They didn't care about what I'd done in, in my, my professional world. All they cared about was this. And so what I'm finding is, is that more and more I'm incorporating this more and more into the message, and I'm, I certainly have enough material to come in and just speak on this topic. Um, and so, so I'll accept a limited amount of, of speaking engagements, but I don't have a problem you know, over technology. allows me yeah. to get this message out. Um, even better without leaving my family. And so that's certainly uh, something that can happen. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap us up with one more question and it really has to do with, obviously it seems like a crux of this is the, a family meeting. So for so many of us, it's, it's okay. We're going to go take that plunge and say, Hey, Hey folks, uh, family meeting, whatever day and time. And, there, can you give a little guidance on a, a couple topics, you know, just where to start, just, just sure. give folks that baby step and getting started and literally sitting down facing the family going, okay, what? Yep. And the family meeting, I've said, this is the hub and, and it's appropriate that we're ending on this because it really is the most important of the five business practices. Most of them are spokes that come off of that hub of the family meeting. And so I've had people say, I love this concept. I love your platform, but I've got young kids. How would I do a family meeting? And I'm like, look, you can start with five minutes. A family meeting doesn't have to be 50 minutes. Our first family meetings, we tried to do them 30 minutes and and we struggled to even get them there. But we found that the more intentional we were, we actually do an agenda and we've got an agenda that we'll we'll come out with. Number one um, item on the agenda for us at least is always scheduling. 
it's always sharing what's going on in the family, where people are going to be at. But the cool thing is, is that we've now transferred that to the kids. The kids are responsible for bringing their scheduling to the family meeting, not the parents telling everybody what's going on. The parents tell the bigger picture family stuff the kids bring to the table, you know, their schedule and their family needs. And so scheduling is important. Um, my wife sometimes will share if she's doing something special for meals. Um, we'll certainly, you know, share what's going on. But here's the fun part. Always at every family meeting, there's some kind of celebration that we find something good that happened that week and we celebrate it. And we also try to put something in there that we learn. So if you're just starting out, you know, we, we did a series over six months where we took 21 character traits and our kids had to present at the family meeting a single character trait each week. And it took us six months to do. And by the time it was done, they were getting up there in front of our family meeting and doing Prezi presentations and PowerPoint presentations and embedded videos. I mean, so the unintended consequence was our kids learned how to give amazing presentations presentations, but they were on honesty and trustworthiness and grace, all these character traits. And so you can start out slow and you can start out easy. And and here, again, I'm giving you the advanced version, but we started out literally with scheduling and celebrations was where we started just to get them going. And now today, I can tell you four years later, our family meetings were all ran by me, okay, for the first three years. Now our kids run the family meetings. Mm. They're up in front of the family. They take turns running the family meetings. And I have to tell you something else. We would have done backflips to get to 30 minutes in the beginning. We now have to cut our family meetings off at an hour and a half. Wow. So because the kids got a voice now, they have a place that they can share things and that they can communicate and they can be heard and so many other spontaneous topics come up. We rarely get through our entire agenda and we have to cut it off, you know, just because of time. And so so that's where you can start off really small, really slow and build. But if you do it right, it will build and it will become absolutely critical to your family's health, well-being and success. Okay, I if you've got time, I lied. I got one more question for you. Can you sure. hear? That? Okay. Yeah. Um, the in doing this, um, let me see. I got a, I got an analogy. Well, you know the the spirit of it. I, I just want to I want to hit on that kind of that. Uh, I think uh, gosh, Andy Andrews again. I think he talked about that scripture we all know: train up a child in the way they should that they should go, the way that they are bent. And he talked about that. It's not train up the child in the way you want them to go train up, support them up in the way they are bent in the way they naturally are. So in that, I I'm thinking through this, that this is, and I sense this from you. Absolutely. But this is not something where you come up and it's a family dictator meeting that you, and again, you shared this in so many ways through this. You have a significant amount of humility you are coming to and grace and equality. You talked about that word a lot that you're coming to this with, and I would venture to say, and I'll let you comment on it, that that is a key. Otherwise, nobody's going to like it. Nothing's going to come out of it if you're, you don't come to it in the right spirit. You know, absolutely. And I will tell you, one of the things that really was a tipping point for our family meetings was when I realized that the number one thing I needed to do was to become vulnerable. And so in becoming vulnerable, I started, you know, sharing, you know, before I would share, you know, some big life lesson, I would share a failure. 
I would share with them that dad's not perfect. And I would allow them to actually tease me to, you know, to make it fun. And I would, you know, I would take it. And it really humanized because they knew I was in control. They knew I was leading them, but they knew I was not afraid to be vulnerable. And the more vulnerable I got, the more vulnerable they were willing to be in front of everybody. And so, you know, so yes, you have to come to the table with a lot of humility. If you get up there and you're, you know, now for Christmas last year, I want to be fair, they bought me a gavel. And we don't always use the gavel in the family meetings, but that was a gift that they gave me. Um, and so actually it's for my birthday, not for Christmas. It, I just got it back in May. And so they gave me a, a gavel. But so, you know, sometimes we'll run the meetings in, in a more organized structure and sometimes they'll be looser. But the one thing that is common is that my wife and I are not afraid to make fun of ourselves. And we're not afraid to be human. We're not afraid to share our failures and disappointments in life because we follow that up with the wisdom you know that we've learned from those experiences and it, and it allows us to then teach them because they become more vulnerable and they become more real um, you know I, I mentioned a blog post that's coming out and it's it, it, it's coming out uh, next week so it'll be out by the time we're listening to this but you know I shared this with the family and I turned it into a blog post and that was you know I my wife went out and bought five trees and when I saw the receipt for those trees I almost passed out I mean, it was it was way more money than I I was comfortable with her spending, and we boys went out and we planted the trees, and I was really kind of frustrated with the whole thing, and and so you know, but then as we got done, and I I started going back over the property, and I saw some other trees that I had planted ten fifteen years ago, and I looked at them, and I'm like, those are my favorite trees on the property. And by the time I got back up to the house, I walked in and I gave my wife a hug. I apologized for, you know, for being hard on her for what she spent on the trees because I realized that in my lifetime, when I look back, I have no regrets for planting trees. I do have some regrets for not planting them earlier. Mm. And I think that really, and I shared in a blog post coming up, and it really talks and is a good wrap up for this. And that is, um, you know, my. I look back on my family and I could beat myself up over not being there when they needed me when they were younger. All those years that I was traveling, all those years that I was in business, I could spend the rest of my time as a parent beating myself up for everything I missed. But the reality is is that I am so thankful that I started planting trees when I did because I'm already starting to see them grow and mature and I'm loving Every season when their leaves change, what's happening as a result of us being intentional and planting the seeds of character and the seeds of greatness inside of each of our family. And it just in our case, it couldn't have happened and it wouldn't have happened without a structure and a framework that we could all get behind and and become a part of and own. We all own 2B Tim's as a shared family business that is thriving because we all share the equity and we share the responsibility and we share the bottom line and we share the success. Incredible, man. You've inspired me significantly. I know so many people are going to be grasping onto this, wanting to know more Uh, folks. Again, his website, I'm going to name off the ways to be in contact to get more of Mark is Mark Tim T I M M dot com. Facebook. You said the Mark, the Mark Tim. Okay. Yep. And then his email, mark at marktim.com. Uh, and I know sometimes when I've given out email addresses on the Ziegler show, people have gotten inundated. So I would ask you to be respectful and concise uh, with that email address, if you would. 
Um, Mark, this is, this is significant. I want to definitely know when you have other resources that come out as I walk this out. Um, I, we just need to do it again. Um, we need to reconvene on this. I'd love to talk about some experiences as I literally walk this out, uh, with my family. But yeah, as you come out with the resources, please let us know. I'll be paying attention to your blog and asking questions on there as well as you bring these pieces up that we can dig into more because uh, it's significant. Yeah. Talk about legacy. Um, not many things more important to me than my family, my legacy. I leave with my kids and I am uh, adequately overwhelmed as a child myself. And now in having my seven kids and as they're growing up, the incredible influence. And it brings me back to where we started that gap of either uh, they're being led is what you said. They're being led I'm so aware of that, and it's either by me or something else. This is a chance for us all to grasp onto something that you've put the time in so that we can lead well and invest. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks for your time uh, today, for gifting everyone. It's an incredible honor. Uh, Folks, thank you for tuning in. I look forward to hearing more about your experiences as you walk this out. Thanks for tuning in to The Ziggler Show. Thank you.